as most pastors do, they typically plan the entire year out and had, going back to July, a an Advent series on Matthew, Matthew's perspective, the first gospel, and Matthew's perspective of the birth of Christ. And we will get to that next week. We will begin that. But I thought for this first Sunday, and especially it being the first Sunday of Advent, I want to talk about what our hope has been as a family and what I pray your hope is. I want to talk this morning briefly about the hope of heaven because it is at Advent that whether you realize it or not, we are celebrating the hope, the hope of heaven, this hope that many of you might have thought at one point in your life or maybe even think this morning, this hope of heaven that seems like pie in the sky, this hope of heaven that just seems so far off and distant, something that's so not tangible for you in your life. What we celebrate at Advent and at the Christmas season is that the hope of heaven came down. We celebrate Emmanuel, that God came down to be with us. We celebrate at Advent that we do not have to climb the ladder up to heaven, but that heaven came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that has been our real, tangible hope through the storm. But I pray that it's not just my hope, but I pray that it is your hope as well. And what my prayer is this morning, that as we look at this passage, as we look at Revelation 21, 1 through 5, that it would awaken in you as it is awakened in us a homesickness for the home that is to come. That it would awaken in you as it has done us the past six weeks, a homesickness for the hope of heaven that we are clinging to, but I pray that it awakens in you a homesickness that the best is yet to come, that there is a home that awaits all of us for those that trust and cling to Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, we read the Word of God as it's found in Revelation 21. The Apostle Paul, the, the Apostle John, the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, receives a vision. And he writes down that vision. And through the ages has been passed down and delivered to us this morning. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Hear the Word of God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them, and as their God, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, 
For these words are trustworthy and they are true. The grass withers and the flower fades. How surely it fades. But the word of God, it stands forever. Amen. We've all had and heard at one point in our life an urban legend. Urban legends are nothing new. 600 years ago, it was the urban legend that the earth was flat. And if you were to go to the end of the map, you would fall into a black abyss full of monsters and dragons. I grew up hearing the urban legend that you never swim after eating lest you drown. I also grew up believing and hearing the urban legend that if, the rain, if it rained too hard, it would fill the gutters and it would fill the, the, the sewers and out would come alligators and sharks. I've even heard recently the urban legend that Bill Gates is giving away money, just giving it away, looking for you just to reach out to him. He's just looking to give it away. But I think one of the urban legends that we all can relate to, and we've all heard it at one point in our lives, is the urban legend of heaven. The urban legend of heaven, that heaven is simply a realm of disembodied spirits floating on the clouds, strumming harps forever. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? You see, every picture that typically our culture gives us of heaven, if we're all honest, actually wants us to just stay here. The thought of being a disembodied spirit floating on the clouds, strumming our harps forever and ever, doesn't sound too appealing. But when we read all throughout the Bible, and specifically when we read through Revelation, this vision that John gets of the future heavens and the future earth, the new heavens and the new earth, as we read the passage as we read today, it's a picture of a place I want to go. It's a picture of the hope that I pray that you have and that we all have as a church. This is our hope. And it's through the book of Revelation, this vision that is given to the Apostle John, it's in the last two chapters, 21 and 22, that give us a picture of how it will all end for those that are in Christ. It gives us a vision of the future. You see, when the Apostle John was given this vision 2,000 years ago, the early Christians were going through turmoil and strife and tribulation and great suffering. There was an emperor at the time by the name of Domitian who persecuted the Christians, who searched after them and killed them and martyred them. And the Christians at the time 2,000 years ago were more than likely beginning to wonder, is this all worth it? We're seeing loved ones and family members and friends being crucified. Where we, the, the one that we had followed, the Messiah, Jesus Christ Himself, has been hung and has been taken from us. Our homes are being built. Our livelihood is being taken from us. We are cultural and political outcasts in this society. And I'm sure they were beginning to wonder, if this is Christianity, is this what I signed up for? 
Where is the hope? And it is in the midst of the storm. It is in the midst of the turmoil. It is in the midst of the pain and suffering that God gives John this vision and delivers this vision to the people. And by God's infinite grace and wisdom and sovereignty through the ages and through his inspired word delivers this vision to us this morning. So when I, I want to answer this question. For those that are in Christ this morning, what is your future hope? Well, we see a few things here in Revelation 21, the verses that we read this morning, and we could spend an entire season, an entire semester unpacking Revelation 21 and then going on to 22, but just want to look at these first few verses this morning because it begins to give us a foretaste, a glimpse of our future hope, the future hope for those that are in Christ Jesus. In verse 1, The future hope looks like the complete transformation of all things. The first thing that we see here is the complete transformation of all things. John says that he saw what? A new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and earth had passed away. You see, the reason that this gives us such hope is that... God, through this vision that He delivers unto John, is saying that everything will be made new. Everything on the heavens above and the earth below, there will be a complete transformation of everything. So everything that we long for spiritually, everything that we long for physically, the injustices of the world, the pain and the suffering that we experience, the bodily discomfort, the bodily suffering, death and cancer and uh, and abortion and injustice and you name it, and the pain and the strife of relationships being broken, Fellow man being estranged from one another and homes being broken and relationships being broken and even our relationship with God being estranged and broken. God's promise is the complete transformation of all things. A new heaven and a new earth. You see, what this promises us is that Jesus is not only the Alpha, but He's also the Omega. That God, through Jesus, is not just the one in Genesis 1 that creates the heavens and the earth, but He also comes through all of the brokenness and all of the sin and throughout all of the fall. And He who starts the good work in Genesis promises to complete it. He's the one that not just creates but he's also the one that restores and makes all things new. And for you in your life right now, it might be a physical ailment, it might be a death, it might be an estranged relationship, it might be brokenness that you're experiencing, financial hardships, whatever it might be, this side of heaven and the promise for you, our future hope is that God is making all things new. He's remaking everything that was destroyed in Genesis chapter 3. It should give you a longing to be home. I want this to be my hope. I want this to be my home. A place of no more death and no more dying and no more tears. The complete transformation of all things we see in verse 1. That's your future hope. But we not only see the complete transformation of all things, but if you look in verse 2, it says that John saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, 
And he says that this city is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You see, the city that is coming down is a picture actually of the church. It is the bride of who? It is the bride of Christ. And throughout the Scriptures, who is the bride of Christ? You, the church. And so what John is seeing is he's seeing the church as a bride prepared for her husband. What is John alluding to? John is alluding to the truth and the reality that in our future state, we will be made clean and whole. That means that we will be prepared to be made beautiful for who? Our husband, the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. What an incredible hope. What an incredible promise. That for those that are in Jesus Christ, the promise is that God will prepare you as a bride is adorned for her husband with no sin and no shame and no blemish and no brokenness. That the promise for the church, for those that are in Jesus Christ, it is the restoration of our image that this vision promises us, this future hope with no sin and no shame and no blemish and no brokenness made beautiful for Jesus Christ. What a glorious promise that the image that was broken and distorted in Genesis chapter 3 will now be made whole. The bride being adorned for her husband without any blemish. The promise for those that are in Christ is that your image will be restored. No matter the pain, no matter the brokenness, no matter the sin, no matter of how you have lived your life, the promise of Jesus Christ is complete forgiveness and complete restoration being made beautiful for the bridegroom. So this new heavens and this new earth promises the complete transformation of all things. It also promises the restoration of our image. The third thing that we see here in our passage this morning, in verse 3, it says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. The promise we see here is that we will forever be present with God. You see, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, we were at one point with God and the promise was complete fellowship, complete relationship, the wholeness of a relationship. But then in Genesis chapter 3, because of sin and because of the fall, that relationship is broken. And all throughout the Bible and all throughout life and all throughout history, we see the journey of humanity trying to work their way back to God. But the promise of our future hope is not that we work our way back to God but that God comes back to us. That God says, no, you will not work your way up to heaven. But actually, it's at Advent and at Christmas time that we celebrate and recognize that heaven came down. Emmanuel. And so when it says here in verse 3 that He will dwell with them and they will be His people, He is talking about the reality and the truth of Emmanuel, that God is with us. And the promise of our future hope is that He will be with us forever. 
for those that go through life wondering if God is for them, if people that go through life wondering in the midst of tragedy and the storm, where are you, God? The promise for those that are found in Christ this morning is that your future promise and your future hope involves the dwelling with God forever, that He will forever be your God and you will forever be His people. And it's at ad- Advent and at Christmas time that we get a glimpse of that, that we get a foretaste of that in God coming down in the person of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago God becoming man, God coming in the flesh, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. And at Christmas time, we get a glimpse of it, but our future hope says the glimpse will never go away. You will dwell with God forever. Forever you're God. Forever you will be his people. The dwelling will be with man forever. I can't tell you how many people, I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again, especially men who talk about it, and it even comes out even more at Christmas time. The amount of men that I talk to that talk about their relationship with their father or even the brokenness, broken relationship they have with their father, longing to see their father again if they've, if he's passed, longing to have the approval of their dad, longing to have the approval of their father. And the good news for you this morning that we celebrate at Christmas and our future hope here in Revelation 21 that regardless of what your earthly father has been like, the promise and the hope that we have is that you will have a dad. He will dwell with you. He will be your perfect father forever. Complete restoration of all things, heaven and earth. The restoration of our image, we will be made beautiful for Jesus regardless of our sin and regardless of our shame. And we will forever be present with God. That is our future hope, to dwell with God forever. But the only question I have for you this morning is how do you get this hope? How can this be true for you? Well, in verse 4, it says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, and there will be no mourning and no crying nor pain anymore because the former things have passed away. And so the answer for us, how you can have that hope, is this. Verse 4 tells us that death is no more and crying is no more and pain is no more, and that can only mean one thing. It means that someone else has come. It means that someone else has come to take away death. It means someone else has come to bear our tears. It means someone else has come to bear our pain and our suffering. If you remember, in Revelation chapter 5, John is confronted with the book of life, and he becomes so overwhelmed, it says that he began to weep. He began to cry. But then a loud voice says to John, Do not weep. For there is one that will come that has conquered death. 
You see, the one that makes verse 4 a reality, that there will be no more death and no more mourning and no more crying, is that we believe that there was a man by the name of Jesus Christ who came 2,000 years ago, who died the death that you should have died, that cried out on the cross and took on your tears and took on your pain and took on your suffering so that we could have this hope in verse in verse 4 of Revelation 21. And that man is Jesus Christ. He is the man that is worthy to open the Lamb's book of life. But he did not do it without sacrifice. It was through his death and through him crying out to God on the cross and through his pain and through his suffering that you can have the hope of heaven this morning, a place where there are no more tears and no more fear and no more anxiety and no more suffering, a life that is absent of all of that forever. That can be your hope. And I am here this morning to say that there is nothing, nothing in this world that can ever, ever offer this hope. And I want to know this this morning. Do you know this hope? Do you know the hope of heaven that we celebrate this Advent? That in the midst of the lights and the garland and the presents and the parties and the celebration, my greatest fear for you is that you would miss the most important thing that we celebrate, that God came down in Jesus Christ to rescue you. You see, this hope that has overwhelmed our family can be your hope this morning. And I do not want one single person in this room to walk out of this sanctuary without embracing this hope because this hope can be your hope today. This same John in his gospel says this, if you believe in this Jesus, this one who took your death and your pain and your tears, this Jesus, if you simply believe in him, you have the right to be called a child of God. Do not leave here today without inviting this Jesus into your life. Do not leave here today without inviting the newborn king to totally change your life forever, that you can walk out of these doors. Listen to me. You can walk out of these doors this morning being called a child of God. And this hope, this hope that we read about, this hope of heaven can be your hope this morning. The last night that we put Lily down, she told us, as most three-year-olds do, scared of the dark. And we told her that God doesn't sleep. Lily that night was scared of the dark. But she's not scared of the dark anymore. And I shouldn't be scared of the dark either. And you don't have to be scared of the dark either anymore because the light of the world has come. And that light can shine in your darkness. And my hope and prayer is that this Christmas would be the greatest Christmas ever because this light, the light that has come to shine in the darkness, 
has become your light forever.